Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of John. John in chapter 4, the gospel record of John and chapter 4. We're in a brand new Sunday school series of the miracles of Jesus. And as we're going through the miracles of Jesus, uh, this is to be an encouragement to us that there's a God who hears and answers prayer and that with God all things are possible. And as we look at the miracles and look at what Christ has done, we want to see not only what God can do, but we also want to see why God does things. Sometimes we have in our minds a way that we expect God to work, that we have it laid down and we try to give God advice sometimes. All right, God, you do this and you take care of this and then we'll all be good. And then sometimes it doesn't work out the way that we try to draw it out. But God knows exactly what he's doing. And so if you don't mind, let's go to the second miracle that is recorded in the life of Jesus Christ, found in the gospel record of John chapter 4. Now remember, the very first miracle that's recorded that Jesus did in his earthly ministry was at the wedding of Cana. Now as a follow-up in John chapter 4, we could see the second miracle that was recorded. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of John, chapter number 4. John, chapter 4. And if you don't mind, let's pick it up in John, chapter 4. And let's pick it up starting at verse number 46. John, chapter 4, and verse 46. The Word of God says this, So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea unto Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. And the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was going, as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. And then he inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and he himself believed at his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of John chapter 4. The Gospel record of John chapter 4, and notice the phrase in verse number 50. John chapter 4 and verse 50, the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. 
So what we have in here in John chapter 4, earlier we have the woman at the well where Jesus met him. And we see this woman had trusted Jesus Christ as her personal savior. And immediately she began to be a witness. Then Jesus came into Galilee and returned back to that first city where he did a miracle, the city of Canaan. And of course, we can see what occurs. And as this happens, a very amazing statement occurs. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. Now, <clears throat> as we set up the scenario for this, we know that Cana is a small little village uh, near the Galilee area. Capernaum is a little bit bigger city, which is about 15 miles away. And we understood that this man walked. That means it took him approximately seven hours to walk from, from where Cana and, Gal and, and Capernaum is. It's a seven-hour walk. So this man had heard that Jesus had did miracles. And he went with a purpose. His son is dying. And he goes with purpose to go see Jesus. So much that he was willing to walk and trek seven hours to go seek out where Jesus was. He heard that Jesus was there and he went out to reach Jesus Christ. So as we set this up, the first thing I'd like to show you here as we examine this passage is the sorrow in the nobleman's life. The sorrow in the nobleman's life. Notice with me in verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where he made water wine. And there was a certain nobleman. So we start off with a certain nobleman. We can see that this man is a well-to-do royal officer, probably a Gentile. And so he traveled all the way from Capernaum to Cana for the purpose of speaking to Jesus. His son was sick and his son was dying. And so we could see, we start off with the sorrow of the nobleman's heart. That there finally reached something in this man's life where he said, I can't handle it. I can't do it. I need to look for Jesus Christ. I need Jesus' help. You know, we all have that in our life. There's a certain line in our life that underneath that line, we say we can handle it. I can handle this sickness. I can handle this infirmity. I can handle this problem. And we try to handle it. We do our best to handle it. But then there's a line that's crossed. And once you cross that line, I can't handle this. I can't carry this. All the way before that line, you're doing everything you can to do things yourself. But God allows lines in our lives to be crossed where we can no longer handle it. And do you know that God is good by doing that? He's allowing us to seek after him. Without any problems, we'd never seek after God. Without any burdens in our life, we would never look for him. And so God has allowed this nobleman to have some sorrow. He's looking at his son and he loved his son. He wants his son to be healed. He heard that Jesus is able to do miracles and he's traveled all this way because he can't do it himself. You know, God uses these things to get our attention. What is it that God's doing in your life to get your attention? What do you need to have? Christ uses these circumstances to bring us into his presence. He brings us to the place where we realize there's no other options. We must get to God. When we have a need, we have an idea that we just want the Lord to meet that need. So here's this man. When he went to Jesus, he went to Jesus with a plan, an idea. Come with me. 
Heal my son. That's all he wanted from God. Is he wanted what God can do for him. Oftentimes the problem that we have. Is that we seek God's hand. Before we seek his face. We seek what we can get from God. Rather than seeking God ourselves. We often seek miracles from God. Rather than the God who can do miracles. And what Jesus is going to do in this encounter is he's going to switch this man's thinking. He's going to realize that more than he needs a miracle, he needs God. More than we need things from God, we need God himself. It is God that we need in our life. That when you have God, that that's what you need. He can supply the healing when we have him. And so here, here's a man who has his own plan. He finally has a need and he needs to look for Jesus. But he has in mind what he wants God to do for him. But God has something else in mind. He wants something else from this man's life. He wants to show not what God can do, but who God is. Which brings us to the second thing here. Not only the sorrow of the nobleman's life, but then we come to the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. So, in verse 46, the man has come up to Jesus and is circling for him. Verse 47, And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So this man had a plan. He couldn't handle it no more, so he went to Jesus. And when he went to Jesus, he's looking for him for something specific. Again, many of us can relate to this, that we like to tell God what to do and how to handle it. God, if you just give me $100... We're all good. But God wants more for us than just $100. God, if you just grant me healing, I'll be good. But God wants more for us than just healing. God, if you fix my son. But God wants more for us than just fixing things. God is looking to be God in our life. He wants us to have him, which is much more important than just having things and miracles. So this man comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, come with me, heal my son, which sounds like a good prayer request. But notice Jesus rebukes him in verse 48. Then Jesus said to him, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. So this man comes up and this isn't the answer that he's expecting from Jesus. Jesus, my son is sick. Come with me and heal my son. And Jesus says, ha, you guys all the same. All you want is signs and wonders. You say you won't believe until you see signs and wonders. He's rebuking him. You say, that's kind of hard. This man's broken hearted. He's coming up to Jesus. No, actually what Jesus is doing is the most loving thing possible. Because he's working in this man's life to show him he has much bigger need than just getting his son healed. He has a bigger need and that is the need of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a genie in a bottle. He's not here to grant our wishes. But he is here to be our God. And when we have him, we have everything we need. He is the answer we're looking for. So in verse 49, once again, the nobleman 
talks to him. Verse 49, the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my son die. Verse 50, Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. So this man had an idea how he wanted God to work, but God had something different. The man said, come with me. And Jesus said, no, I'm not coming with you. You go. You go. You came to me. Now go. When we pray, we should not try to get God to come around to our way of thinking. I, I know there's some people that teach that, that we just need to bother God and bother God and bother God and bother God until he finally comes around to our way of thinking. Some people have the idea that prayer is trying to twist God's arm and trying to force him. All right, God, if we bother you enough and we're just going to force you and we're going to convince you that you need to do what we ask you to do. But he is not our genie in the lamp. He's not our Santa Claus. He is God Almighty. God wants us to come around to his thinking, to seeing what he has in mind for us. Prayer is made to make us think like God thinks, to bring us around to his way of doing it. That's what prayer is there for. So in verse 50, Jesus saith him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. So this man came with a plan. God had a different plan. But notice this. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. And he went his way. So he came with the idea that he wanted to drag Jesus physically with him. Come with me. And God, Jesus said, nope. You go. Your son's healed. And the man just took God at his word. You see, he trusted what God said. He trusted what God was doing. And he believed. He took him at his word. Which brings us to the last thing here. That we start off with this sorrow of the nobleman's life. He was sorrowful. Then he met the Savior of the world. It's not the miracles that was important. It was the God of the miracles. And he met Jesus and he believed what Jesus said. And so he goes back and we can see the salvation of his whole house. Notice in verse 51. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, Thy son liveth. Oh, what good news. So Jesus said, Your son lives. Go back. So he travels all the way back. Remember, it took seven hours to travel from Cana to Capernaum. He went to Jesus and he went with the purpose of bringing Jesus with him, but Jesus didn't come back with him. Jesus said, go, thy son's healed. He believed Jesus at his word. And now he comes back and his servants say, thy son liveth. Could you imagine what excitement? My prayers are answered. Jesus did this. He's excited. And he follows up with this. Verse 52, then inquired he of them the hour that he began to amend. And they said, yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Now, here, um, we know that the Hebrew calendar uh, uh, clock works a little different than ours. They have hours in the day, and then they have four watches at night. The Hebrew day began at 6 o'clock in the morning, and they would work from 6 to 7. That would be the first hour. Uh, 7 to 8, that's the second hour. 8 to 9, that's now the third hour. Um, all the way up to the sixth hour, that is noon. The seventh hour is one o'clock. And so he goes, when did he get back? When did he get healed? And they said, yesterday at one o'clock. Notice as it follows up in verse 52. Then inquired he of them 
when he began to amend. And they said, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said unto him, thy son liveth. Can you imagine that? He comes back and it's a trek. It's a, it's a seven hour journey. And because it was overnight, he rested somewhere. Some people even speculate that he believed so much that he actually stayed where he was at for a while, just praising God for what God's doing. He believed God so much, even before he saw the evidence of it. But regardless, it was the next day, maybe in the morning, maybe sometime in the afternoon, but he comes back and says, my son's healed. When did he get fixed? They said yesterday at one o'clock. And by the way, it was such a specific thing that he was dying, he was dying, and then all of a sudden, he's alive. One day he's sick and dying. The other way, his fever's gone. He's up. He's clearly better. It was an almost an on and off switch. It wasn't a slow recovery. It was an instant recovery. Aren't you glad that God can answer our prayers instantly? And when he does things, it's completely. So here, this man's rejoicing. He hears about it. What's his response? Verse 53. So the father knew it was at the same hour in which Jesus said, thy son liveth. Notice this. And himself believed and his whole house. What did the man originally go to Jesus for? For his son to be healed. What did he come away with? Salvation for him and his whole house. You know, God is more interested than just physical healing. Now, God's interested in all of our life. But God wants more for us than what we want for ourselves. He knew that the most important thing was salvation for this house. That they trusted God. They believed in God's promise. And they believed in whom he was. And now they're forgiven of their sins. Not just healed, but they're forgiven. Could you imagine the man sitting on the son's bed and said, let me tell you about what I just happened to me. I met a man made the name of Jesus. And this Jesus is able to not only heal your body, but he's able to forgive you of all of your sins. Amen. And that young man believed. This man believed. They probably pulled mom aside. Mom, let me tell you what happened. And she believed. Because this man had an encounter with Jesus. The man would have been satisfied with just his son being healed, wouldn't he? He would have been fine if just, all right, Jesus, heal my son. All right, thanks. See you later. But Jesus wanted more for that son than just the healing. So what we have here is that we have a Savior who set up a situation where a man realized he had a need. He doesn't quite realize fully what his need is, but he realized he has a need. And God was able to work with the circumstances to switch his idea. He thought he just needed healing from his son. But through it, he realized he needed forgiveness of his sins. He needed something a lot more than he even realized at the beginning of this. And at the end, they trusted in Christ. They trusted in who God is. And thus we see more of the idea of the purpose of miracles. God is able to do miracles. He's got great powers. But he's not doing a miracles to put on a magic show. The purpose of it is for us to trust the God of the miracles. Not just look for someone to do miracles. 
but to trust in Him. Do you know that there's a great God who has great purpose? But our most important need is not things from God. It's having God Himself. Knowing whom He is. Having that relationship with God. That's what He wants more for us. And that's more important. Now God is able to do the miracles. And there's nothing wrong with asking. But realizing that the most important thing is knowing Him. God has a purpose. We have to realize that God wants more for us than what we want for ourselves. The Bible speaks about this in the book of Romans chapter number 8 where it says we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Didn't that man think he knew what he was to pray for? Absolutely. My son is dying. Please heal him. He thought he knew what he needed to pray for. I mean, that's a pretty important need. But he didn't know how to pray for as he ought. God worked with him, allowed them to have problems, so that way he could have the most important thing, and that's Christ himself. That was the most important thing. When God works in our life, that's the main thing he's trying to do, is trying to get you to know him, to have that more intimate relationship with him. That's the most important thing. And once we have him, we also have a miracle working God. And I'm glad that we have him. But we need to get to the place where we're seeking more for God's face than his hand. We're not trying to get so much what we can get from God as we are trying to spend time with God. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.